0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Duster Today podcast. And today, I am your host, Nick Teague, and I'm joined by my uh, teammate and fellow co-host, Nicholas Albright, and we bring you a special guest, Dr. Sean Hughes. How are you doing today, Nicholas? I'm
1: doing well. And Hughes, how are you?
2: I'm good. I got to talk to your dad this weekend. Did you? Yeah. Got to catch up with Michael, and he's looking good, and we only could visit for just a moment before we... Both had to rush off in different directions, but mm-hmm. yeah, good to see him.
0: Yeah, that that is really good, and so nice uh, to be on the Nick and Nick show. Did yeah, it, that's pretty it? much what. It, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. That's how we run with our newspaper team. It was <laughs> that's us, just how we roll. It was us and Landon Parish, but unfortunately, he is finished with his tenure at the at the duster. He doesn't have to do it anymore. Put it and, in all
2: his hours, huh?
0: Yeah, and there was no one else that joined. The, we had one young lady that joined the class. Uh, I believe she's a graduate student. And she just said that she didn't have time to do it because she already has a teaching Mm -hmm. uh, job. And so she dropped the class. And so it was just us two, which it works fine. We get the job done. And so uh, Dr. Hughes, you're here today to talk about um, the video crew for Master Follies Mm -hmm. and the, uh, I guess your role was creative director or um, just tech technical director, pretty much technical mastermind, Sean Hughes. (laughs) And so... Uh, we bring, brought you on today to talk about um, Master Follies behind the scenes, mm-hmm. what what we don't see, what goes into that aspect that we don't see. And I was on the video crew w- along with uh, some others led by you and uh, Miss Sydney Bacchus. And so I just thought it would be interesting to talk to the viewers about that aspect that may go, I don't want to say overlooked, but may not be as noticed as... sure the actors that are up on stage. And so um, how long have you been producing Master Follies for LCU? Uh,
2: Ronald Reagan was in office when wow. I started. Yeah, he was right. in the mid-80s. <laughs> and so um, I, I will say that uh, well, there it, I've been working with Master Follies since that time. And okay. I, uh, Dr. Doyle used to be the uh, director of Master Follies. And so I became technical director and really helped with the lighting and the sound and putting together. We built enormous sets back then it's a whole different world uh now with the uh, sophistication that we have with nathan and his expertise and his crew um, everything's a video background you know we don't have to paint um we used to have to paint these big flats and pull them out and all and we don't have to do any of that. It's, it's so much easier for the clubs and for the hosts and hostesses. And so it's been a part of my life since the mid eighties and, and one that I truly cherish the few years that I haven't been in town and I've come back just to watch master follies are cringeworthy. I just hate sitting in the seat, not doing anything. I want to grab a headset, you know, Aah! I'm just dying. So it's been a long time, but I've been it. But now, Technically, my my role is executive producer, Mm -hmm. and so I liaise between um, the technical director, which is Nathan, and so Nathan Anderson and his technical team, they they handle all the tech side of things. Yes, sir. And then there's um, um, uh, Philip Camp really is the vocal director for the hosts and hostesses, and then I liaise between Philip, Nathan, and the clubs. And yes, so, try to get everything solved for them, and between all of them. And then I also direct on the uh, the hosts and hostesses. I, I help them with the um, concept of each song and picking the songs and stuff like that.
0: Yes, sir. And that's what I experienced firsthand uh, watching the show this year because this is my first Master Follies that I've been a part of. I've seen some of the other shows. I haven't attended in person, but I did see all of last year's shows whenever I was uh, coming, deciding I wanted to come to LCU. And so that is interesting because I saw you up there working with the host and hostesses and then you would get on the headset and be like, Sydney, I need you to do this and that. And so it is interesting. And I do remember seeing in other shows that I've watched what you talked about with the flats and mm-hmm. I was in theater in high school, and I mm-hmm. remember having to paint those. And so those LED boards really, really are <laughs> Big huh? a blessing. And so yeah,
2: especially when you think of of having uh, you know eight clubs and having to change out all those flats in that quick of a time between the the numbers and everything. Really, the host and hostess numbers, when you think about it, all we're there for is to give more times for the clubs to get ready.
0: Yeah. And yes, so
2: sir. a little bit of inter- entertainment between the clubs, but it used to be that the clubs needed a full five minutes to change all the stuff behind the blue curtains. Well luckily we don't need that anymore so so now we we're able to to put some clubs back to back
1: as the the director of this what what's your what are your main goals for master Follies and like specifically this year but all the you know for the years that you've done in the past, what are you trying to convey to the audience?
2: Well, first and foremost, uh, the important thing that we all recognize is that Master rises and falls on the strength of the club shows. It's all about the club shows. We can have a grand year, and we've had this in the past, a grand year for hosts and hostesses. But if the clubs are not quite as strong as they were in the past year, everybody leaves Master thinking, yeah, it's not as good, and vice versa. You know, we can have a pretty mediocre year of, for the hosts and hostesses, but if the clubs are good, everybody loves it. So it's all about facilitating what the clubs need to make their moment, to, to give them a, the, the spotlight and to take away as many barriers or, or issues that might be there for the club. So we really are um, all about the clubs. And then at the same time, we want to showcase the excellence that we can do here with our hosts and hostesses in terms of production value and everything else, so they're they the clubs are first showcasing our excellence. would be second,
0: sir. That's a that's a good answer, and so I think that is really what what we're there to do. And um, I didn't realize how much we really do use those video um, aspects with the shows until I was there in person watching, and almost every single club had. Oh yeah like a video that you had to use with pro presenter mm-hmm. or stuff like that, or like lights and stuff like that, and you really realize how important the crew is and how how big of a role they do play'cause if if they unfortunately mess up, it could mess up a club show, so it is a big aspect oh. of what goes into master fall one
2: year i um well my first experience with theater um uh, I was eating in the calf, and uh, this girl that was eating lunch with me she said uh uh, i need to find a follow spot operator and i said i can run a follow spot wasn't even sure what a follow spot was i assumed it was a spotlight but i didn't know that for a fact and so i went upstairs in the in the booth and started running a spotlight it was for a play with don williams who was directing and he would yell up at the booth he'd go penny tell that guy and he would give me directions you know penny you tell him that he needs to keep that spotlight steady penny you know about three or four weeks into it, he stopped yelling at Penny to yell at me, and he just started yelling directly at me, Son, I need you to keep that spotlight. And once I once he yelled directly at me, I knew I was in. And that was, I was at the beginning of my career. Um, point is, is that you, like a spotlight operator, no one, you don't come downstairs and everybody goes, oh, bravo, exactly. you did so good. But if you let them walk out, of the light or you turn on the light and it's not on them or you miss a cue then they notice you. So that's kind of the way it is with our video production and with all of the lighting and if if we get noticed it's probably not a good thing. It's probably because we made a mistake, you know. Mm-hmm. Um there was a show this year that had a uh, a cue and um, I kept asking our guys, are we in charge of that cue or is it? And um, so it was one of those cues that had to be timed out just right. And I was asking, is that our cue or do they just track it with their soundtrack? You know, and turns out they were tracking it. But but it's those types of things. You know, if you have a cue that needs to be there and it's not there, the audience notices. But if it is there, the audience will never remember it or notice it.
1: So you, you've kind of touched on this already. You're 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 dealing with people who aren't necessarily like technologically mm-hmm. uh, literate with what sure. you're trying to sure. do. Um, so what what is it like interacting with the 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 Follies directors as they're trying to convey their thoughts of what they want this to look like versus like how you can help with them put that uh, vision together. I I
2: will say we like the Follies directors and I'm speaking broadly here because I've, I've worked with them closely, but Nathan Anderson and his team really work with them more one-on-one now in my new position. But in the past I've worked closely with them. The point is, is that I like a Follies director who comes to us and says, this is what we want. Give us the end result, you know, get cast a vision for us and then let us go. Oh, wow. We can help with that. You know, whether it's a thunderstorm or whether it's a rainbow, if it's a unicorn flying over the rainbow landing on the moon with a cow on its back. Okay. We can do that, but you got to let us dream it up with you. Don't just say, okay, from beat 12 to beat 13, I need uh, blue intensity light and then from blue, you know, give us the bigger picture and help us to understand what it is and then let us come in and say oh wow we got something that might help here you know we got strobe lights we got blue lights we got black lights we got whatever you know we've got all these different things we've got movers we've got sweepers things that you may not even be aware of you know we've got haze machines it's not a fog machine but it's a haze machine but if you ask us nicely we can probably do fog and bubbles too so
1: in in the past uh, I know about two years ago you had for like the um, for the hosts and hostesses they they were like raised up with the with you know harnesses and stuff. Is there, <laughs> yeah. is, is there something would you want to bring that back for one? And is there something that you would want to get Love like bigger? One. Uh, you know, make your production value bigger uh, in the future?
2: As a matter of fact, there's a new place here in Lubbock. It's over on University just outside the loop, kind of past Target, that that's what their studio is. It's a bungee studio, and they have, like, bungee exercises and everything, and that's all it was was just we bought bungee harnesses and and rigged them up. And so I would love to do that again, but you can't. You're going to have to wait a few more years. Does that make sense? It's a one-trick pony. Once you've done it, the audience is going to be like, yeah, they did this already. So every year it's got to be bigger and better. It's got to, you got to come up with something different. This year we kind of tried some stuff and I told the, I told them we were for drive. If you've ever watched the video, it's a video about making a video with a crazy director. So we kind of tried to replicate that on our stage with them standing in front of the screen and being on the moon and, you know, what. it, it, it was okay. It wasn't very well received, but it was better than a flop. So it wasn't a total flop because we, we planned it to end with a big concert type thing. So we got that. But um, there's sometimes you take a chance and you win, and sometimes you take a chance and you don't. I will say that I've never been prouder of a Follies production overall, the entire show, than I was this year. Not that we haven't had excellent shows in the past. We have. So I never claim, you know, gosh, this is my favorite. But this one was was a real baby for me. I was very proud of it. And I thought that everybody just worked wonderfully together. All the clubs, all of the hosts, all of the tech, everything just came into place. And it was very nice. And we were taking chances this year with no... Intermission, that messes up people's equilibrium. You know, they're like, "Oh, no intermission! What are we gonna do?" You know, but it turns out everybody was fine with it. So, yeah, it really rocked the world of the alumni office whenever they realized there's not going to be an intermission this year. But you know, it turned out to be fine. I mean, people were still in the moody like at eleven o'clock. I was still getting tech I was long gone, but the people were still getting texts. You know, and I'm like, okay, I wow, they're still in there. So, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question or even touched on your question, but I hope I got somewhere in the ballpark.
1: you did, yeah, okay, yes, sir.
0: you did. Uh, he was just asking like pretty much what you said, would you be willing to take a chance like that again? and you said love taking take, chances take chances every, every
2: year, and I tell our our tell see we don't pick the songs until we've picked the hosts mm-hmm. and um and, and like this year, we pick the hosts based on the performance and the auditions, and so it turns out that we had five female hosts. That's never happened before, and that's a risk to take, is to have an all-female or an all-male or an all-giraffe, you know, hosts. So we decided to, to go with that risk this year, um, but at the same time, it, it turned out so well. It was a big risk, but a big reward. And then part of that was to make them seeing a classic metal biker, you know, born to be wild song a steppenwolf you know so that was a risk that turned into a great reward you know those types of things so i love risks and i love rewards um and i and i told the i told ladies this year i said if it feels comfortable then we're not pushing hard enough if we feel like we're just doing the same thing you know and this is a comfort zone for us then we are not where we need to be and so we try to avoid the comfort
0: zone Okay. Yes, sir. That's a That was a big thing that I noticed, too, which, like you said, taking risks like that. And all of the songs this year seem to be very drastic. Like you said, you went from the happy opening song to, like you said, the biker thing and stuff like that. So Throw in a country song. Yeah. And yeah. so it did make it distinct. And so that was one thing I think that you said that was high risk, high reward. And I personally enjoyed all those uh, show the club shows and the host's mm-hmm. numbers, so I do think that was a...
2: And, you know, I think the same thing is true with the club shows. The ones mm-hmm. that take a risk usually get a reward. You exactly. know, I mean, you, you, you got to stay within the frameworks, but when you take the risk, there is a reward. So there's definitely a risk-reward correlation going on there.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess it's not so much a risk, but touching on, you know, kind of differences between the years. Um, last mm-hmm. year, unfortunately, people were not... Not a lot of people were allowed in the Moody to watch the... The show. So, how did your creative vision change now that um, people were allowed back in the Moody for the first time in two years? Instead yeah, of people great, watching on great a live question,
2: stream? and really, it was only one year, and we were fortunate for that. But but that one year was a struggle. So immediately, first off, we had to decide do we or don't we? So once the decision was made, we do, we're going to go on. We had to look at the safety of the clubs and how do we keep everybody safe? How do you keep, you know, 40, 50 people on the stage safe? And the only thing we could come up with social distancing, but if you're going to do social distancing, you need platforms. And so we had platforms with designated areas on them where everybody could stand. But then we also realized that we can't have an audience, and so without the audience, what we're looking at is broadcast. So we've got to broadcast this. So we set it up as a broadcast from the very beginning, and we set up the anchors. And so um, Calvin DeMitt and my daughter Camille Hughes were the anchors who introduced the clubs kind of behind, you know, you could see the clubs, and you could see the movement behind the, the anchors, almost like we kept referring to it as like the Macy's, parade or something you know you've got the the anchor sitting at the desk but you can see the action still going on in the background and so we we thought of it as that type of thing hey we're going to go to the hosts we're going to go back to the anchors now we're going to club we're going to go back to the anchors now we're going to go to the host now we're going to go you know and we just kept running it like that and with the hosts and hostesses we made them stay over on the wing so the whole time that they're doing their thing the clubs getting ready um timing and everything was just, and plus. We set up like cameras right in the middle of the auditorium and had jibs flying and things. That it was all about the cameras, not about the audience. But at the last minute, we let enough people in to give enough audience response to where the club still felt invigorated. You know, we wanted to, the clubs and the hostesses to a lesser extent, but we wanted them to feel that audience feedback because there's something special about going back and this year getting reconnected to the audience because you, you just. Nothing beats an LCU audience. They reward you, and it's it's rewarding. Because
0: mm-hmm. that was the big thing, I think, um, when we were working this year. You kept saying, "Get the shots that people want in the audience, like can't see with the naked yeah. eye." Yeah. Yeah. And so I was wondering, like with last year, well, without an audience, I wonder how the video was different since oh, we have to get everything. Totally different. So it is that is interesting that we went from like you said a broadcast where you want to get everything to more. Now that people are back, you want to get yeah. what you can't see. So
2: last year we were shooting much broader, much wider, a few closer shots, but mostly wide. But also for like some of the hosts and hostess numbers, we shot much more intimate with the camera. But we can't do that this year. I mean, I can't have a guy with a camera standing, you know, two feet in front of the singer because it blocks the view of the audience. You know, yeah. the guy with the camera block. So it's a little bit of both. We were thinking, um, for some of the songs, they're just for the camera, and let's focus entirely on the camera. And the cameras, we can stand up, we can swing the jib arm, we can do all this stuff, we can get right in front of the audience with the camera. And the audience just has to live with it. They're like, eh, because our real audience is behind the lens. They're on the end of the broadcast. Mm -hmm. So it's a different concept. Every you can see how fluid it is and we have to think through this not just for master follies but for like sporting events and everything you know if if it's up to the camera guys they'd have people running around with cameras on the field for the super bowl yeah i believe the last year for the super bowl we ran 110 cameras (gasps) oh my goodness we only need three but we ran 110 you know so yeah or something like that it's an outrageous number but yeah you get the idea it's a Let us go crazy. We'll go crazy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so I do think that um, the pandemic was obviously a bad thing, but I think that was a good thing that Mm -hmm. came out of it was learning how to incorporate those broadcast elements into an audience show where they can look up at the screen and see, oh, here's these faces. or Here's this number that maybe people in the back can't see. And so that was really interesting um, to see. And then speaking of, uh, you know, New experiences and stuff like that. Most of the team, I would say actually all of our video team was pretty much LCU students. Mm-hmm. And so did you have any reservations about using uh, amateurs or people that weren't uh, an, an, uh, acquainted with the Not equipment? At okay.
2: Not at all. I um, I will say we brought in uh, Sydney, who this was her uh, second or third year to direct, and she's done a great job for us. Plus, she directs for, for professional organizations now that she's graduated. So um, so we had a little bit of a ringer there. But at the same time, no, we, we typically use all students, and we like that. We want it to be a learning experience. Um, ideally, I'd like to have somebody who's kind of like been in your position. You've seen it from the camera lens. Now let's move you up to the booth and then eventually move you into the director's lot. I'd like to see that progression going. But I really want much more involvement from the student level. It shouldn't be a professional show. I want students in there.
1: Mm -hmm. So how did you feel about the outcome of this year's uh, live stream and... Uh, video part for the inside. Well,
2: we did add the live stream this year and Justin Brown was, was, uh, really kind of, uh, the mastermind behind that. And I, to tell you the truth, even even seen it. <laughs> so I'd like to see it. I need to send Justin and Nathan a note and say, Hey, how can I see it? So I don't know where it's saved, but I'm going to take a look at it. Uh, different concept again. Mm-hmm. And so we had to set up totally different cameras. I say we, They had to set up. So you notice that there were extra cameras mounted around the auditorium this year. Mm -hmm. Those were not ours. Those were just static cameras that they were using for the live stream so that they could get the wide shot. Mm -hmm. So we we avoided the close-ups uh or we avoided rather the wide shots and they avoided the close ups but they had all of our cameras that were streaming in on their end that they could still use so if we were taking a close up that they liked they could pop us on and you know so we we were available to them but in the long run they had a whole different selection of of cameras
0: yeah and that's what i noticed uh, uh cuz i purchased the live stream for my parents so they could watch and so i went back and watched it myself that night
2: so it's stored you can uh, go back and see it
0: I don't know about now, but I was able to do it that night. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that I noticed that was cool was they did take our shots, but one shot that really stuck out to me was they had like an overhead. Mm -hmm. GoPro. Yeah, overhead camera. And so you could see the formations of all the clubs moving Mm -hmm. with their dance, and I thought that was really cool and something that I wish that we could have in – the auditorium yeah, but it I would know. be super hard i think to translate but that's we, one thing that i wish we could have so like the people in the audience could see how what yeah. all goes into those I formations
2: it, it's a tough one because you can't get everything um but our main thought on what we call imag is that we want to show faces that people from the back can't possibly see you know so we want to show as many um friends and relatives and granddaughters and daughters and sons on the big screens as we possibly can and so um that's the imag concept but when we're talking about streaming to you know the wide the wider broadcast audience that's not in the auditorium then we want to see things like that you know the overhead and things like that so yeah it's I wish we could do everything we can't. And so we kind of have to make the call and decide, okay, this much we can do and do it well.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm interested in, this can probably serve as our last question. You mentioned you've been uh, seeing Master Follies since Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. was president and been helping. And so I'm curious, and this is uh, not so much to do with technical, and it, you can bring in a technical aspect to it, but what are some of the your favorite uh, club shows or hostess host numbers that you've seen over the years while oh. producing master follies.
2: Oh man, I don't know. I, I will say I'm really bad about that, and I'm not just trying to give you a PC answer, you know, because I'm really bad about going. Well, every year is my favorite year. Yeah, that's really kind of true. Mm-hmm. I do remember some of the early club shows that that I was uh, helping out with in terms of running lights and sound um Quania who left us uh some indelible memories i remember them as babies oh their baby show i don't know why but i the 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 like the um oh we are babies don't you see oh we've arrived just recently i remember the lyrics i could because you know i was running lights or something for it and i was just ah um uh, i remember them as mailmen they did that or was it milkman i th- they think they were milkman um Alpha Kai has a ton of great shows that stick out. I remember one time they were um uh Tonto and the Lone Ranger, which was funny. Um oh my favorite one of the ones of Alpha Kai was they were Elvis Morticians. So they were morticians until about midway through the show and all of a sudden they flipped up the collars on their black suits and they had these huge collars and they opened up their pant legs and they had flared pant legs. So, Oh, stuff like that. Um, you know, we've had, uh, we've had some amazing soloists that we don't get to do very much anymore, but the, the, uh, host and hostess acts, we've done everything that I can think of and we've tried a lot of stuff and some of it just fails, you know, and some of it just, soars. It's just great. So I like having a smaller number, like five or six, but I've always loved having eight, you know, so it just depends. Um, Just good times all the way around. And yeah, I've also enjoyed watching the clubs progress from just seeing small things and just doing things because the way they've always done them to really branching out and trying new stuff. And so it's a great it's a great experience.
0: Yeah, like you said earlier, high risk, high reward, especially mm-hmm. with something like you said, like Elvis Morticians, where that was cool, very where cool. Or you, you said it, you still remember it, but that's probably because it was high risk, and so I think CDs, that, Cheetah, Chiquita Bananas. I have not seen that one, but I do remember uh, going back and watching. I remember CDs; they were mice and skunks, and so I do remember stuff like that. And so, and then Alpha Kai with bears, and mm-hmm. you have Sub T every year doing. <laughs> It's funny, goofy stuff. And so, like you said, it's high risk, high reward from a technical aspect, from a club aspect, from a hostess aspect. And so, it's about the more risk you take, the more memorable it'll be. So, even if you don't win, or even if it's not like you said uh, with the certain hostess numbers this year where they weren't flops, but they weren't, you know, ballpark smash hits, they may still be memorable and you may remember them. 10 15 years yeah. down the road because it was a risk and something that you tried for the for the first time.
2: And I, I want to also point out that a lot yeah. of it is up to, to people just like you, students just like you who you're in it, you're interested in it and you might think, I wonder if we could do this. And I bet you we can. You know, you know, you may have to work with the host hostesses more than a club or something like that. Moving a club is more like steering the Titanic, but there are things that can be done. And that's one of the things that I love is when students come up with a vision and help, you know, help implement that vision. So you guys are in the right place. And I appreciate both of your work on Master Follies this year.
0: Yes, sir. Well, we appreciate that. And I appreciate the opportunity to do it. At first I had reservations because I was like, oh man, can I do club show and this, but it was something I'm glad I did. And it it worked perfectly fine, I would say, until the final night when the auditorium was packed and I had to jump over some people. and yeah. I, I was like, we got to
2: figure out a better route. Yeah, camera was, too, I know.
0: I was like, folks, I'm so sorry. I know you paid for these seats, but I have to get up there. And I was so late getting on stage that I realized halfway through our second song that I had shoes on, and I looked down and just kicked them off. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is a mess. And I don't I, think anybody noticed. No, and then I came back. Uh, to get back at my seat and I was like folks this is the last time I'm so sorry and so but it is like I said I have fun memories from that and I so I not only do I have fun memories from hanging out with my club but I have fun memories of Sydney telling us what to do and getting to see everyone else's show and getting to see the audience reaction to the the shots that we took and other shows and so it is something that's definitely fun and something that is just as important to Master Follies, I think, as the club shows and the hostess numbers, and so I'm glad that we could have you on to talk about that, and it was something that um, I wanted to talk about, because I knew I wanted to talk about Master Follies, since it's something that's so important to our campus, but I didn't, uh, we had a lot of people in the newspaper that were talking about club shows, or talking about uh, Social Club Week, and stuff like that, and so I decided, uh, let's talk about the video aspect and uh, behind the scenes, which is what the title of this will be is folly master follies behind the scenes. And so stuff like you said, with stage crew and video crew and what just, what all goes into master follies and how important it really is for LCU. So Nicholas, do you have any closing remarks? I don't thank you so much for helping us out. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. And we thank you all for tuning in and listening to us talk about something that's hopefully different, something hopefully you gain some insight into master follies and of course if any of you are interested in maybe doing video crew you can reach out to sean hughes next year or absolutely uh, i'm sure i'll probably be doing it next year unless of course club asks a little bit more of me next year but of course you can talk to sean hughes uh, hopefully sydney Bacchus will be back next year because she does a fantastic job And so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed listening to this, and hopefully you gained some insight into Master Folly. So check out The Duster today. Check out any other articles we have up, any other podcast, and stay tuned to see what we have in store for you. Thanks, y'all.